This is the Raider Cotton Nation podcast with your host, Alpha Mike, and our roster of co-hosts, we patrol America's law enforcement beat. We invite you today on a ride-along. Now, here's your weekly briefing on Raider Cop Nation. Hi, atop of Florida's peninsula at 108 feet, you are listening to Alpha Mike and Raider Cop Nation, episode 111. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about trick or die, especially the day before it is Halloween. It is a time where parents need to be extremely alert as to what could happen. Approximately 424,066 children were reported, when I say children, I mean 18 or younger, were reported missing in 2018. Missing is categorized as runaway, abducted, family abduction, or, of course, the ultimate uh, murder. And it there's a lot of mindset in in what goes into those events and with a 40-minute episode it's kind of hard to really spell all that out so today we have the cop he's going to come on the show and he's going to basically give us an overview on some safety procedures that uh, parents can follow for their kids and always we give the urgency to all parents and guardians, you have to be on your P's and Q's, especially during the trick or treat or trick or die uh, holiday, which people call a holiday, I don't specifically, of Halloween. Reason for it, it is a era where kids are missing. And statistically, I challenge you to try to come up with some numbers to, for this specific time period in the year, October, mid-October, end of October, and you will find that uh, some of the Google searches are limited to other things. Some of that, I believe, is done on purpose. We have a lot of statistics we want to get into. We want to talk a lot about what's going on with this uh, specific event and our our kids. And we lived in we live in troubled times, and as a result, we need more and more to be alert and paying attention to what our kids are doing or what is happening around them. Now, before we get into the nitty-gritty and we have a lot of things to discuss, we're going to, of course, give you the word of the week. For we walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5.7 For we walk by faith, not by sight. 
And of course, we walk in the faith by things that we cannot see. The Word of God is always inspiring, uplifting. It protects us. It saves us. It heals us. It does so much for the body and for the soul. It is important to have your journey with that of the Lord himself, Jesus Christ. We have a lot to discuss on our last episode, actually, uh, well, 110, which was uh, situational awareness. I did talk about the issue of the club, which was episode 109. And uh, in the club, uh, myself and the cop, we talk about we talked about those clubs which are based on race or religion or sexual preference. So these uh, specific clubs are the ones we're talking about, not those that are professional in nature, like we discussed uh, last or oh, during uh, episode 109. Like let's say a law enforcement or professional organ association such as the Fingerprint Association and um, which builds on their career. This is more about who I am as a person. So the cop will be with us, uh, was with us on that show, and he discussed all those things. Of course, here on this episode today, we have the cop as well on the on-deck circle about safety for trick or die, episode 111. Now, during that episode, at the end, on the closing remarks, I talked about my own experiences with the club. It brought a lot of attention. A lot of people were asking questions. There is a tremendous amount of curiosity to the subject. And as a result, I had some questions posed to me about the possibility of doing a second episode on that so I could clarify some points. I decided in 110, episode 110, Situational Awareness, that from here, October, uh, that decision was made October 23rd, 2019, towards the end of the year, which would be December 25th, 2019, every Wednesday when we launch, I will talk a brief uh, 10, 15 minutes on my experience of the club. Today, I want to add to that because I uh, had some more debate as to what I was doing. And um, it was uh, the request of a secondary show for 2020 has uh, been placed on the table. Even though I am doing it this way, they would still like a nice rounded update on the club of my personal experiences in 2020. So uh, last episode, we talked about structure of the club. And today I want to go into purpose. What is the general purpose of the club? And we will break that down into six elements. The first one is the department uh, sections. So depending on the agency, now we discussed that the club will be based on your race or your sexual preference or a specific religion. There are many, many groups out there. In episode 109, we list just a small fraction of those that are out there. 
Now, before I answer this question on departmental sections, I want to explain what the motive is for these organizations to be birthed. Now, all of them have one principal foundation or root, and that is for, for the purposes of fairness. For whatever reason, it could be one event or it could be a series of events. This specific core group and what makes them a core group is based on those factors that we discussed, whether it's race, whether it's your uh, religious uh, beliefs or sexual preference, you've bonded together. And because of things that have occurred or something that ache occurred in your agency, everybody bonds in that group together on this one purpose. That builds the ethos for the group. As a result, a lot of them, the foundation is fairness. They feel that they have not been treated fairly. And if they were to unite, it would make it much more beneficial for the entire group and better for the agency. Unfortunately, there's a lot of Archie Bunkers in the middle of that process that either feel you don't need to bond together, everything is fine and dandy without you and your hate group. And then there's the other side of the script of the agency that they believe that you're some type of terrorist cell and that you should not be dealt with either. And they hide behind issues of, for example, the union the collective bargaining agreement forbids us to talking to any other group. Bullshit. It, it prohibits you from negotiating a contract or any item in the contract. But all these associations, a lot of them deal with what is race or sexual preference or, again, uh, religious beliefs, which is probably three areas that the union won't touch with a 10-foot pole. So this is the root of why. Last episode, we, we discussed the structure, how they're kind of formulated today. In this episode, I want to talk about the purpose, and I came up with the first one out of the six items, departmental sections. Now, within the agency, and I'm giving you from the experience of that I had in club, association, organization, whatever term you want to give it, um, how that experience happened. And uh, we were playing for keeps, folks. We were not playing for games. So um, I could tell you we had uh, a lot of experiences, good, bad, and ugly, and uh, we had a lot of uh, people involved. We had uh, strolling memberships at one point uh, between two organizations that we had started, uh, both under the cover of one, of course, reached uh, a, a whopping number of 925 members for an agency like NYPD that has uh, 30,000 plus cops, that number might not look big. Well, it depends on the size, and then you can break it down into percentage wise. 
So when we talk about departmental sections, one of the core values of the organization now is that we have to look and identify those sections in the agency that we, the organization, need to be represented in. If we don't have a person there, we need to place a person there. And we need to be aggressive with that selection process. I can tell you from my experience, we were the minority of the agency. There was another race which was the extreme uh, majority, and they were not having us uh, build or create this monster. So the fight was intense. The fight was real. And uh, I have a lot of stories, my friend, a whole lot of stories. So that is one. Number two, we had promotions. We had to get people within the structure of the organization promoted. And the only way to do that is to have people actually prepare themselves for whatever exam that was done have them score on a list, and then ensure that they would be given fair treatment within that list. Now, some of that is a collective bargaining agreement because the union is the one that has to deal with promotions and so forth. So we would partner with them when we could on some of these sections. Some people, if the atrocities were just outrageous, for example, I'm just going to give you an example. An individual in our association was uh, like number two on the lieutenant's list. He skipped over what they call uh, in Miami the rule of four, not crap. They could skip down four people underneath you because of the fact uh, that you didn't qualify because you didn't get a Twinkie in second grade. Obviously, the rule of four was a made-up, a story to manipulate the list. And that gangsterism existed within a lot of our, uh, agencies in the county that I worked in. So promotion is, a, is important. So we had to identify each rank where we were deficient in, where we had to grow, and how far we had to get in. Those were long-term goals. Investigations. Investigations were important because there were members that uh, at times were being railroaded in certain investigations. Well, I'll say that. So we needed a process to fight back. Obviously, if there's an internal affairs investigation, you can only go so far. So we decided to, at that point, to back up a little bit and start educating ourselves in the process of the EEOC, Employee uh, Rights Commission, where uh, we would defend them on an equal platform. That also had an investigative process as well. We also, at times, sent uh, uh, an association attorney to learn the same courses that the internal affairs investigators were learning. 
make it the process a little bit more difficult. So investigations was a key because if not, they were just going to create drama or narratives might sound familiar uh, to get rid of certain people. Uh, Another area of importance was training and education. If uh, as an association, our membership was not getting the ideal training and education, we would fall behind and we were not as valuable in the other uh, avenues that we were trying to get into, such as these different sections of the agency or being looked at for promotion and so forth. So we needed that training. We needed that education, such as leadership schools, uh, FBI academies, uh, anything that would better us into that higher playing field. Uh, Most of the time, a lot of our membership was denied, and we would continue to negotiate. Again, you're always going to see the fairness through your subjective eyes. But nevertheless, statistics and statistical uh, data tells the truth. We knew we were underrepresented in all these areas. And uh, so we kept on fighting. Uh, Another area was hiring. We started to notice that uh, there were some ideal areas where the agency could really grasp and hire uh, people. Uh, And uh, we started saying, well, wait a minute, the hiring pool should look like the demographic of the community. But other groups are coming out with their own crazy census reports that made to us no sense. In other words, if you live in Miami, you'd figure out real quick that the U.S. Census report would tell you that over 60% of the community is Hispanic. So we would say... Hello, we were thinking in terms of a higher pool of Hispanics to serve the community better, especially when it came to the Hispanic language. So that was an area of importance. And I'll explain in in future how the agencies try to always flip that around us and accuse us of things that weren't true. And... uh, The last area of fair treatment, and that has a lot to do with the EEOC as well. So piggybacking between EEOC and the investigative process. The investigative process, let's say I'm officer friendly, and I feel that I've been overlooked on certain promotions or overlooked on um, certain procedures, assignments, overlooked on training. So with our fair treatment policy of EEOC, gather information, we would go ahead and go forward. Now on the investigative avenue, if let's say there are 10 officers involved in an incident, it goes into internal affairs investigation. You notice, and I'm just giving you hypotheticals here, that out of the 10 officers, eight are basically nothing happens to them, slap on the wrist and keep moving, and two are disciplined. One happens to be one of your members that did little to nothing in the incident, and they get hammered with about two weeks on the beach. 
there might be a, a, a motive to that. So when the uh, investigation clears up and becomes public record, we needed to have the ability to pick it up from there and start the EEOC process or whatever other process to defend these officers. It also talked about resources and uh, planning for the event. In other words, that there was a pending investigation and we knew that uh, two or three or four of our members were involved in a specific uh, incident and there's possible discipline coming down, we'd get them ready for the event. And what that meant was we would stack the pool deck for them um, through the networks that we had to allow uh, these officers to work excessive amounts of overtime so they could build that pool. So if they do get hit with a 10-day or a 5-day or a 14-day, 30-day suspension, uh, they could be ready for the event. Now, a lot of people might be holding their breath or gra grasping for air right now, saying, oh, my gosh, is this corruption? Somebody call the FBI. Um, you have no idea, my friends, how overtime and those assignments were divvied up and how payola was part of it. So one of our strengths in the organization, and I'll wrap it up with this, was to find out what other people were doing, get the tabs on that, get the file on that, hold that for dear life. So when we closed doors and we brought in the colada, colada is a Cuban coffee or espresso, and we would generously share that with certain individuals in the command staff and go into their offices and lock the door and break open the colada, we could talk about specificalities in some very poor behavior like uh, trading, let's see, how was this? Sexual uh, pleasure for financial gain. But I won't give you a name. But I tell you where it could be happening, what section of the department what tour of the department. And I usually, or you would usually, get a response of a bunch of uh, high executives with red ears now because they would look and think, well, how the hell did they know about this? This is an internal investigation. Well, we would know about it because jackasses, we worked there. So that answered that. All right, so... A lot to talk about. We're going to bring on the cop. Uh, that concludes our section on the club. I've also made a, a real quick, because I don't want to steal from the original show, but uh, I've decided that, you know, uh, we're going to do this every uh, episode from here to December 25th. I'm going to talk for about 10, 15 minutes about the club get you a little bit of more understanding for those people that really wanted to know more about it. Uh, again, there are people that are curious, and then there are people that are freaking nervous. So for those that are nervous and have chills and a uh, constant uh, draw of diarrhea is occurring, my final show will uh, on this subject. Uh, of course, we're going to have one in 2020, as a couple of people had requested. Um I'm shooting for uh, 
let's say February, like maybe uh, February 14th, which is Valentine's Day. You remember in Chicago with the outfit, the Valentine's Day massacre? So we'll shoot for that date. Now there, I'm going to break everything down that I've been talking about, put it in a nice package. It will be a 40, 45-minute show. And I'm going to lead you up into the ultimate show, which will be broadcast. Get a pen and pencil ready, paper, crayons, cardboard. Pay attention, kids. The final episode show of the club will be broadcast uh, sometime after March 2nd of 2023. Now, for those that are doing their math as I speak, trying to figure out why so freaking long, well, I'll tell you, in law, there's something such that is discussed as statute of limitations. As a result of that, we've concluded that that would be a great time to pop in some fantastic episode on this subject. One that will wow the ears that listen to it. Now, folks, it's time to bring in the clown, the circus, the big tent, and let's talk about Trick or Die, episode 111. Die episode 111. We are blessed to have back by popular demand the cop. Welcome back to the studio, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. This is a topic that uh, a lot of people have safety concerns, especially during the Halloween uh, season and so forth. There's a lot of statistics about children abduction. And so we want to kind of emphasize on this. episode, child safety, personal safety, and the statistical element of child abduction during this uh, season. Um, There's a lot of uh, awareness today of abduction if we compare that to 30, 40 years ago where a lot of people were kind of naive how big it really was or is. What if I'm a parent and I have a child and we're coming up on this uh, Halloween season and these individuals want to um, partake uh, in the Halloween tradition of trick-or-treating, 
what safety um, concerns can you help them with um, that they should prepare for? Well, there's always the safety concerns of traffic, of, um, like you said, abductions, um, crime being occurred because of a lot of people wearing masks out there. But to me, the answer to the solution is a very simple one. It's just parent your kids. Um, be a parent. Don't expect the police to babysit your kids while they're out there Halloween. If you're unable to go out with your children, make sure that your children are being supervised by an adult, a responsible adult, um, and know who this person is. I don't know how many times throughout my career we've had to go to a house of a missing child, not just during Halloween, but during any type of the year, right. and the parent doesn't even know who the kid was hanging out with, who his friends were, where he was going, that's just part of parenting. Know, know where your kids are going to be trick-or-treating. Know who's going to be with them. If possible, you be with them. Um, and just keep an eye on your kids. And, and, you know, and be cautious of what they're wearing and what they're not wearing. Very true. And, of course, um, it's always a concern, anything that they might have, too, if, if somebody did give them a treat, what those treats are. Today, people are so sick, they're capable of doing anything. Absolutely. I remember, I mean, my, my kids are all adults, but I remember trick-or-treating with them and we would come home and throw everything on the table and go through every piece of candy one by one by one. And we saw one that was just a little bit unwrapped that went in the garbage. So yeah. definitely inspect those candies. Well, um, hopefully, you know, your community, you know, your neighbors and you know, the people that are around that are not going to do uh, that type of nonsense to hurt a child. Um, but unfortunately, today's um, in today's world, there's a there's a lot more crazy than not crazy. So you gotta you gotta pay special mind to what your kids are gonna be picking up and eating. Most definitely, another big area of concern is online activity for minors, and how can, uh, of course, parents have to monitor, but how can uh, parents put some safety mechanisms? Um, because th these kids are vulnerable on online nowadays too. Well, I know there's a lot of parenting apps. I'm, I'm not very computer savvy, but there's a lot of parenting app, apps that could tell you when your kids are going to certain websites, but they need to be conscious of these predators may be posting fake parties, fake Halloween events to lure kids. As we discussed in, in, a, in a previous show that you and I had, um, human trafficking is big, is big mm -hmm. in, in the United States. And it's not just in certain communities. It's happening in every community. And there's no better time than Halloween. Um, so just be cautious of where your kids are going because these guys will post, hey, there's a party, there's an event at a certain area, and it's just to lure the kids in. And then God, God only knows from there what could happen. Um, it's, it's hard to keep an eye on your kid online. And I, I cannot imagine having a child today with all these devices, but there are measurements that you could take, get educated on how you could protect your kids online, not just during the holiday season, but every day. Um, and, and my job is specifically, we deal with a lot of kids um, posting inappropriate stuff on the internet. 
and they're getting into so much trouble and half the time the parents don't even know what these kids have been doing online. Mm-hmm. And they're finding out from law enforcement that your son or daughter were on such websites and they were doing such things and the parents are always surprised and off card. Um, you know, like, like I've always thought you to tell my kids, I, I don't trust you and mm-hmm. I don't trust you because I love you. Right. Um, and just don't, you, you can't have a lot of faith on your kids because they're kids and they're going to try to get away as much as they can. And, and these, and these, the internet is just a big playground for these children today. Yeah, parents definitely have to step up a little bit on that uh, social networking and just monitor it. I mean, I know as the kid becomes older, it becomes more difficult uh, because they feel it's an invasion of their privacy. But, uh, you know, sometimes it sucks to be them if they're living under your roof. So that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, another big issue is adults, Uh, especially in the Halloween. uh, They want to go to Halloween parties. And uh, they take it up to a different level. And uh, there's a lot of uh, crime that's committed, too, because people are hiding behind masks. Recently, this movie came out, Joker. And basically, in the movie, you see a lot of people wearing masks, committing crimes, and so forth. How can society in itself uh, protect themselves from maybe somebody that doesn't have the best intentions and they want to act like they're into the holiday or the Halloween uh, spirit? Well, be be smart. You know, on the news, they're showing that local law enforcement throughout the country, they're on high alert because of the clown mask, especially in movie theaters and areas like that. So if you know that people are kind of jumpy over clowns nowadays, especially after the movie It and now we got the Joker movie out there. Use common sense. Don't wear a clown mask. If you wear a clown mask and you're walking down the street, don't get upset if a cop stops you or a police officer stops you because we got bad guys wearing clown masks robbing convenience stores. Don't, 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 don't get dressed up and carry a, a gun, a toy gun or a toy rifle or a toy sword because, again, you're going to make people uncomfortable around you, and you're going to alert law enforcement. Um, it's just you got to be smart. you got to be smart, and if, you, if you're going to dress up for Halloween, and don't dress up like the cr- 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 criminal element because you're going to be treated in such a way. I hate to say it, but a police officer doesn't know who's behind that clown mask. A police officer doesn't know that that toy AR-15 or that toy Glock 9 that you have is a toy. Um, I myself have confiscated toy guns from kids in schools that, I'm going to be honest with you, they look so realistic that it's scary. Um, So just be cautious, be smart, have fun, have fun, have a good time, but be cautious of what you're wearing because you're living in in, in in a time that everybody's jumpy, Everybody's aware of their surroundings and don't bring that negative attention to yourself on, on a, on a fun night as Halloween is. Great, great response. But our last question is, uh, and probably one of the most important one, how can kids, um, regardless of their age, maybe they walk to school by themselves and so forth. Parents are just not around. How can they protect themselves from a possible abductor? Well, show, show your kids 
um, to be aware of their surroundings. Make sure that on a, on a specific night like Halloween, if the parent is not able to go out there with the child, that he's with a large group of kids, hopefully there's an adult there. If they're walking to school, you mentioned also to the school, we, we, we've had issues here in my county with um, predators trying to pick up kids walking to and from school. And we'll, I constantly tell parents, have your kids walk in a group. We're, we're, we're stronger in numbers. Um, again, every kid has a phone. Teach them how to call, how to identify who's following them. Try to get as much detail as possible and run to the nearest adult that you can that you know. Um, you just it, it's 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 a, a constant knowing your area, knowing your community, and knowing your whereabouts. Um, we have a lot of dark um, streets in our county, and we're trying to teach the kids to wear more reflective material on their backpacks, lighting on their backpacks, and the same thing goes for Halloween. You know, make sure you light your kip up with a with a flashlight, reflectors. Um, just keep them safe during during this time of year and throughout the year, going to and from school or any event that they may go to. Excellent point. And as always, we thank you to, for taking time out of your busy schedule. And we are blessed to have the cop here. Thank you again for for being here and giving us these tips. Well, thank you. And as always, God bless the soldiers that are keeping us safe and God bless the men and women in uniform and uh, the fire service. And may God continue to keep you blessed. And thank you, sir, for having me on again today. Thank you. interview as always with the cop we're so blessed to have him come on and and discuss the wisdom and the years of wisdom that he has in law enforcement so we got a lot of statistics we want to go over and again i'm not a big advocate on getting stuck on numbers because times change things change and it is a a fully uh, dynamic world which is fluid, it changes. And uh, if you get stuck on numbers, you might uh, miss something. So it's just to give you a guide a little bit of what's going on. And uh, we'll start off with every 40 seconds, a child is somewhat uh, is uh, missing or abducted. And that comes from the Missing and Exploited Children's website, a very fine organization. I, I went recently to their um, uh, Instagram page, and it's it's heartbreaking. It it really is. You start to look at some of these photographs and the dates that they've been missing, and it's heart wrenching. I could never imagine being a parent in that position, so my heart definitely goes out to them. A ninety-two percent of uh, what is reported missing 
is uh, 92% of runaways. So there are some broken homes. There are some real issues at home that there's where the early identified area needs to be. People need to speak up. And if they see a child that's in need, a lot of people don't want to get involved in anything. And sometimes not getting involved makes the problem a lot larger than what it really is. Uh, But a broken home is something that, of course, is going to have uh, consequences. And here we notice 92% of runaways, 4% come from family uh, abductions. So families are playing a big role. Some of them are within uh, custody disputes or um, some other type of family relative that have uh, knowledge of the child so the child feels or falls for uh, that trustworthy family aspect and they are abducted. 3% are missing uh, critically which means um, within the critical statistic, when a child is missing or abducted, uh, three hours is your critical time period because statistically, after three hours, they may uh, succumb to death. So 3% of those are critical. And uh, less than 1% are non-family. So family members abducting kids is a big one. And uh, we look at more uh, aspects of statistics. Uh, The vulnerable ages are 5 through 14. And uh, during this Halloween, I'll leave you with this, there will be over 120 million household contacts. That means kids stepping out of their family nucleus to contact somebody with regards to this so-called Halloween theory or or holiday. So they could be trick-or-treating, they could be in the mall, they could be just walking around in the playground, Uh, But there are over 120 million contacts. All of those contacts, my friend, are not safe. So the parents need to be on their utmost attention. You need to take drastic action. If you see something, forget about say something. You need to get involved. And I know people don't want to get involved because they don't want to get into a lawsuit. They don't want to, but sometimes you got to, you just got to stand up. And, uh, you know, doing research for this, I uh, came across a bunch of videos of these maniacs, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, trying to abduct kids out of department stores in front plain view of their parents. I mean, how stupid and nutty can you be? Scary situations, though, I can tell you that, uh, for the parent. And most of the time they were women, and they would have another child. So... You know, you can't just drop that child to go get the other child. So they were very uh, placed in a very vulnerable position. But what I can tell you is that you have to be prepared prepared for all events. So we can go into statistics and statistics, but what I can safely say that 
it behooves you to sit down with your family, your kids, and come up with a safety plan. And if they were to get separated from a group or something, who will they call? How will they call? How are they going to get notified? And, of course, walk in littered areas, walk in groups, and have call signals uh, or pass codes uh, in case they have to run or something. They can just say the word and all the kids know they got to scatter because it's an emergency. And um, parents need to really have a keen eye. If it doesn't fit right, doesn't look right, doesn't smell right, it's not right. So get away from it. And, of course, involve your local law enforcement um, police department because they have programs on these safety issues. And if you're going to do things in groups, uh, I know in the community where I live, they do have these um, group activities in certain subdivisions, and there will be, um, not uh, very large, but there will be a police presence there. And that is a deterrent to uh, people that are evil when they see police cars to go to the other way. So becoming involved in your community is very important. Just don't be a spectator to a disaster. Become a spectator to something that is victorious. And that depends on you, the citizen, to stand up and, uh, if anything, do it for a helpless child. I know a lot of brave people would, wouldn't even think twice um, about jumping up and helping out a child in, in, in that situation. And that's because we live in the greatest country in the world. It has been my honor and my pleasure to be your host on Red Cop Nation. As always, continue to pray for yourself because without you in the game, we have nothing. Continue to pray for your family, for the community that you live in, for the police agency that serves you, and most importantly, for the United States of America. This is Alpha Mike. Until we meet again. And guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home.
Four three two three, two thirteen twenty two. 